What's poppin'? Welcome to the Be Dispensary. How can I help you today, baby? What's poppin', mom? Uh, shoot. I'm a first-time patient here, but maybe you could guide me around. Maybe you could guide me around. Maybe you could My next guest is from the Bay Area, but currently lives in LA. He's a producer and artist. He has songs with the Underachievers, and his song The Love Dispensary has close to a million plays on Spotify. Introducing Nug Life. podcast everyone today i'm with a very special guest the one and only nug life cheers man thank you for having me bro it's a blessing for sure man the first song i heard of you i feel like a lot of people their first song is love dispenser yes, yes. it's fucking classic already <laughs> man i have i've heard the phrase underground classic a few times it's it's fucking it's a great accolade and uh yeah it's just a, it's cool to hear that so with a name like Nug Life, have you gotten into the weed business yourself? Like, do you have any strains out or do you work for a dispensary or anything like that? Great question, man. Um, you know, going back to like 2017, 2018, I was definitely a little deeper into the, um, how should I say, like there was a lot of cannabis um, events and um like uh what they call them like seshes basically where a lot of different weed vendors pull up set up their tables or their their merch if you will so i was definitely heavy in that scene um and we've seen a lot of uh you know new laws coming in place and people really taxing cannabis now and seeing it get more designer weed and legalized so um i think uh my my main focus was to establish myself as an artist before I take uh, the big leaps into that field, you know, 
to where it could mm-hmm. be like, okay, I'm seeing Wiz, like, oh, he just did a collab yeah. with Raw, and he's got his name on the paper, but he doesn't necessarily have to, like, uh, put his time in, in manufacturing, and that Raw gets to worry about that. Or I see Dizzy Wright with his uh, Dizzy OG and, like, currency. So it's, like, um, working towards building that uh, influencer foundation, if you will, so that um, when I'm ready to take those steps a little deeper, I can do so. But, um, you know, just like some slight um, sponsorships and free stuff here and there. Of course, in the in the next year or two, I would love to not have to pay for cannabis or like stuff like that, mm. uh, given that name. And I'm on the come up. So those are like definitely on my mind all the time. And um, it's... Uh, it's, it's just like, yeah, trying to establish that name. So they're like, oh, when I see Nug Life, I think of him as a musician first, and then we go into the cannabis realm. So just really yeah. building that foundation. With like your album covers and your merch, it seems like your Nug Life logo and everything like that. Are you trying to build Nug Life more as an artist, or do you want that to be a brand as well? Or would you have like a different brand under Weed? Shoot, that's it. You know, I think... I would love to keep Nug Life the the primary nucleus of the name. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it gets kind of like weird in a cool way to where it's like I had one graffiti writer in the Bay, Chris Micro. He was like, dude, you're kind of starting like a cult, bro, because like it's you. But you got all these people wearing Nug Life on shirts. And then you're, you're like, you know, it can be a word that's in reference to you, the individual, but it's also a word that's in reference to like a movement or a lifestyle. So it's kind of like, it's a bit of a blur at times in these, these early stages. I like to believe I'm still at the the beginning stages of everything. Um, So it's definitely stuff that runs through my mind a lot of like how to decipher, but I kind of like the beautiful, the beautiful madness of it all kind of intertwining with each other. Um, yes but you know i have little ideas here and there like we got high def entertainment so just uh kind of playing on that stoner name and then um i just made some new stickers that say nug hub kind of making fun of Pornhub and shit oh shit (laughs) so it's just like branching off in these little ways but trying to keep nug life the the core uh that everything branches out from but um if I did have a weed shop one day, man, or some type of collab, I definitely would slap Nug Life on on that, on the front of it. Hell yeah. For sure. You got a little mascot and everything already, you know? <laughs> definitely, definitely. I feel like the more you work, things, like, work out more, too. Like, look at, like, Tyler, the creator. Like, he still uses golf and, like, golf wing and everything like that. And, like, if you look at it, that used to be part of his group and things. And, like, it just spread off into an actual brand and shit. So it just, it just, it, everything that like comes full circle, Definitely. you know? And then you see Tyler spell it backwards sometimes or like little variations and, and stuff. Yeah. I never thought, oh my God, how did I not realize that? I just realized that's what Flogna is. Yeah. How did I just, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I just realized that now. Yeah. That man is a genius in his own, his own life for sure. Mm-hmm. So when you first started music, weeds definitely was not as acceptable. So did you ever think when you were first starting that, you really wanted to be associated with the weed because your name is Nug Life, of course. So like, um, 
Yeah, I definitely knew I wanted to be associated with it. It was it was definitely from the jump. It was I was aware of what I was doing when I was forming the name. Like, you know, I remember um, making some other like funny names, kind of like trying to figure it out, like what I was gonna do before I I set my path. And I uh, I was a younger cat man in high school and had uh, had discovered weed and smoking with with friends like not heavy or anything like that just uh here and there and um yeah you know it, it was intended from the jump to be kind of like a a play on thug life jet life um mm. like being a big fan of cypress hill and uh and whiz and currency and all these like these cannabis uh people who revolve around it in the industry, like Cheech and Chong. So it was like, how can I make my own twist in this field of of cannabis, but also make it kind of fun or funny. And I saw Nug Life, like really, it made people laugh when you heard it. Like if they knew what, what a Nug was, they were like, oh, like you get a little chuckle. Mm. So that definitely, you know, it made me uh, just go full force with the name and um, yeah, you know, it's, you know, seeing people laugh at it is like, okay, when you see someone smile or laugh, it's like, all right, now I need to figure out how to like work this the right way. So they're not laughing at the thing, but they're laughing with it, you know? Hell yeah. It's definitely subtle enough. Like I really didn't even, when I saw your name, I didn't really associate with weed. So it's like more, it's like, if you know, you know, and if you don't like, yeah. it's just a cool name. It's an interesting name. It's catchy. Right. Yeah. So you probably, probably people who aren't like, users of cannabis they probably scratch their head like wait what the heck does that mean but then the music yeah. can go ahead and make them not question that at all uh, mm-hmm. i'm curious how did so, you hear the love dispenser you're like where'd you find it, it, it being your first song what's actually crazy is i just started this doing this myself too with um local seattle artists i didn't realize how big playlisting has become mm-hmm. So your your song Love Dispensary has started to show up on like Spotify playlists and things like that and like recommended. Word. And like like um this morning even I I've been starting to promote the Spotify playlist I've been putting out. And like I have people who can like submit their songs to it and everything like that. And like today even I got someone from Houston, Texas who wants to be on the Spotify playlist. Why? It's just like it's like a new because it's just playlisting in general. That's like that's how it's like it's almost like Spotify is almost like social media at this point. Like if you're if it's a new friend or even like if it's someone you're into, you're like, okay, let me check out their Spotify and see what music they listen to, things like yeah. that. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. The way the profile's set up, like it has a nice, just sharp look about it, you know. And it's kind of like a lot of the artists, and I don't blame them, and myself, you know, we hate on Spotify at times because it's the lowest payout out of all the platforms, but. It, in looking at the yin and yang and the positives and negatives, I'm kind of like, yeah, but I've gotten the most plays on Spotify. So if I want to be stubborn and say like, oh, let me take everything off Spotify and only stream here, I'm mm-hmm. I'm cut down to 30% of my audience maybe or 40% because it's more than 50 is coming in from Spotify right now. So it's like, this might sound bad depending which perspective you look at it, but it's like, I, I'd rather like, 
not question the small income coming in instead of just not having it at all and not Spotify not exist. And then now I have a song love dispensary is about to hit a million plays this year to like almost 800 K and it's like, that's not happening on iTunes. That's not happening on title wherever else. Like it's doing good everywhere else, SoundCloud, but nothing like Spotify, like their algorithms just really blow your music out of the water. If you use it correctly. And some Mm -hmm. of those things are like, um like playlisting is the new radio like nobody's tripping off trying to send shit to radio djs or like right you know they would say like payola back in the day like you pay to get your song on a certain radio station in which payola is illegal so then you go into spotify (laughs) and you can like find out who runs a certain playlist and just dm them on instagram i'm sure you get hit up that way and things Mm -hmm. and uh you know they even have like other sources to where I think there's like three different tiers of playlists, like the the people who make the playlist, the algorithmic, and then the actual Spotify OGs. But like yeah. really, really messing with that first category of like just normal people like us. Like, yeah, I've been able to kind of t- hit that algorithm because then the algorithm's computer-based. So then if they just see you keep getting on these playlists, the computers are like, oh, some- they like this, like, it's yeah. just like a snowball effect that's like is beautiful I, I i love it i wish they would pay out a little more but um at the end of the day i'm not mad at getting a bunch of fans either because then they might buy some merch or um you know I, they even got the cash app donation on there like people will just chip me 20 bucks or more or less yeah. so you know i'm not mad at spotify you know that but it's just uh you know that they, they they're trailing off the music industry system that was already there so it's like people been getting screwed so they have to figure out how to do it to independent artists now yeah and then like artists get pissed though when they see like a joe rogan and who gets like 100 million for a fucking podcast right which is dope as fuck but like artists are like okay you're gonna pay him and we understand why but we're getting like cents on streams you know versus like it's a crazy thing but definitely netflix i mean not netflix spotify is like it's like the apple iphone out of all the phones or like the netflix out of all the streaming services it's like it's a very it's like the cleanest version of like a resume for like artists to show showcase to other people like you don't see people posting their their soundcloud analytics at the end of the year soundcloud wrap-up and they're posting spotify wrap-ups and shit like that dead ass yeah yeah man it's a beautiful machine they got there (laughs) Yeah, it's it's nuts. So you're based in California, correct? Yeah, man. A bit of a nomad. I'm in LA right now. Um, and uh, I've kind of been circulated around LA most of my life. Um, I, you know, my pops lives in San Diego on an Indian reservation. Um, oh, wow. I went to college in the Bay, though, after high school for like man, I kind of chilled out there like a cool three, three or four years and uh, just just got into my niche of music production. And, you know, I moved up there at 17. So I was just becoming a young man. So I definitely do give a lot of credit to the Bay and all my folks up there and um, was blessed to get a scholarship to go to music production school in Frisco. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's crazy, bro, for being because uh, I have some native blood in me. So I was able to like just do 
you know, not like a crazy student in high school, but just maintain averages and, and stuff like that. And, and they blessed me to go up to music production school. And from there, it was kind of like, I learned the ropes to, to this, I guess the industry standards, but you know, realistically, a lot of the successful artists didn't, they didn't go to school and stuff, but, um, I'm not going to deny it gave me a few gems. And then, uh, you know, came back to LA, linked up with some of my people from high school and just kept spreading the Nug Life Enigma. And uh, so, yeah, I just kind of rep all of Cali because of that. Like, I'm never going to be locked off to one area or anything like that. Hell yeah. Yeah. So how much, what percentage of like Native American are you? Can you, can you live on the reservation too if you wanted to? Yeah, definitely. Oh um, shit. Yeah, my pops, he has a house down there. Um you know, and, uh, you know, that will be mine one day. Uh, I mean, it is, it's our house, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, my, basically my grandmother's full-blooded Native American. And, uh, wow. she's still alive and kicking. She's eight, a little over 80 down in, uh, in the OC area right now. And like, oh man, like big kudos to her, you know, cause she's one of the natives that kind of like, she left the res when she was younger and then like moved to LA and kind of like just went into the world. And whereas a lot of people might choose to stay there or do whatever, whatever. But um, yeah, I, it just, it's just really cool that she went into LA and started to find work and like get married. Cause that, uh, you know, I might be stuck down there. I might not, I might not be here wow. with you right now, basically. Wow. <laughs> because of what life happens a certain way. But uh, yeah, you know, with her being 100% full-blooded, uh, Mission de Gano and Kumeyaay, she was originally from New Mexico and uh, wow. the Laguna Pueblos. And basically when she was younger, they got relocated to El Cap, El Capitan Grande in fucking San Diego, East County, San Diego. And there's just like a huge like hidden lake basically in the cuts man and like a lot of underwater aqueducts so like her land was known for having like really good water sources like to drink and do whatever with. wow and basically but um their their main collection of peoples got split into multiple tribes in san diego so that's why you see the different like casino promotions if you're ever in cali even though a lot of us are the same, there was even a further breakdown as time got on because of like where the government either placed us on certain reservations or granted us certain land. And then there gets, there's like some beef here and there between tribes because of money or whatever it may be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's a trip. It's a trip, man. So I definitely will be back on the reservation. Like I, I go a lot time to time and, uh, I feel like as I get older, I'll probably live out there more and probably try to like bring all these artists I'm working with out there because it's just like an open desert and it's like wow. a lot of space and just like the stuff we pay a lot of money to do is right there. You know what I mean? Like mm. a lot of people want to go escape into the a cabin or go to Joshua Tree and just trip out on life. So it's like, I know that I have that space to do that. And, uh, if I could like build a crazy studio down there, 
and just have some certain lockdown sessions for like a weekend or, you know, three to five to seven days at a time with certain artists, I think some really dope music would happen. Uh, and it's yeah. just like three hours out of LA. So it's like, it's, it's far enough, but close enough too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting away and like the change of scenery, like definitely makes people more creative too. Yeah, man. You know, it's kind of, the smog in the city, man, and the hustle and bustle. And just like, we think, you know, as healthy as you try to be, it's just too much commotion and cloudiness, I think, to a, to a period wow. of time when you're in the heart of LA or in the heart of Frisco or any any metropolitan area. Uh, and, and I just know that from experience, like, you know, I'll go get my head right out there for a week and then come back and I'm like, you know, I'm doing the same things, but it just don't feel the same, you know, like drinking mm. this green juice, eating good, these nice, healthy diet. But it's just like, yeah, we need that. We need that for sure, man. Yeah. Well, that's dope that you like understand the history and like you can tell who can write a whole on song or book about your grandma, basically, even. Um. Yeah, man, definitely. I'm still learning it, too, bro, because like um, I'm I'm. I'm a hybrid, bro. You know what I mean? I was born out in the LA suburbs and now living from Frisco to LA, it's like, I have to go back there and reach back and talk to certain folks who I know have been rooted so they can give me the right game. And um, it's crazy because when I was actually living in Oakland, I did my first sweat lodge up there when I was 17 or 18 because I met a native punk band named Warby Casa. Um, the lead, the lead singer of the band was real dope. And he just like, was like, oh shit, you're native. Like, so he took me to a sweat lodge in, uh, it was in Oakland, bro. Like in damn near like kissing kind of a hood area. You know what I mean? Like a little under Lake Merritt towards Fruitvale. And I was like, yo, where am I going? Like, I I thought he was going to take me to a reservation. It ended up being like some like a native household and uh wow yeah man so he kind of i think he woke me up to my background a lot at, at that young age of becoming a young man and you know i had kind of lived in the city a lot but he kind of opened my eyes to uh yeah just that ceremony and he was doing even deeper stuff than that at the time and um yeah, yeah. So shout out Jerry from Warby Casa, man. Definitely good dude and kind of got me, honestly, a lot of shows and DJ gigs in the early years. Wow. Days, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Do you know who the Snotty Nose Res kids are? Nah, nah. Oh, shit. You should check them out. They're a hip-hop duo. They've been around for a while. And um, yeah, they're Native American and they like always talk about what's going on with their culture and the history and everything like that and they do it really well in their raps and they've, they've got a pretty decent name going on for them that's tight i like that name snotty nose res kids yes you gotta check them out <laughs> have to, man. so these friends from high school like i see that like throughout your whole like discography you have like i don't know if these guys are the ones from high school but like noah james or rocky g or mike pro have how long have you known those guys are they associated from high school or uh Mike Pro is back in the day, bro, like 15, 16 years old. And uh, wow. from when I was like 
what was I? I was a junior in high school and I had some crazy family shit happen when I was living like towards San Bernardino, Rancho Cucamonga in the cuts. And like some of my family got locked up, whatever, whatever. Um, so I had to move with my auntie in Covina, which is like, I'd say the halfway point from where I was living to LA. So I'm like, all right, I'm closer to the city. I'm in Covina. I was kind of an introvert kind of kid at the time. And I still am very much introvert until like, uh, I may not seem like it in the podcast, but it, cause like once I initiate with somebody, but like until that initiation happens of conversation, like I kind of keep to myself. So even more back then in high school, and uh, you know, I didn't make too many new friends my last year, of high, my last two years of high school. I was just kind of shooken up from kind of some family trauma and craziness. And I just wanted to do my shit and keep to myself. Um, and, but you know, I did meet my buddy Keith who knew my cousins that I was living with in Covina at the time. And uh, he was a cool kid. He, he damn near became one of my best friends in high school. And, you know, one day he comes over and he's like, yeah, man, I was hanging out with these guys. I was playing your beats and they're rapping to them. And yeah, man, like they want to meet you. And it, it sounded dope, bro. Like we should just all kick it, smoke something, whatever. Um, so those, those guys are who is now today Mike Pro and LAF, Lost and Found, which is kind of like uh, our group of friends from the high school days. And uh, yeah, man, one of my first recordings was on this little like $40 go mic about this big. That was a USB mic. And we we're at wow. our buddy Anthony's. We'd go to the homie Anthony's apartment because his mom was never home. So it was like Nug Life meets Mike Pro here because they can smoke and chill and vibe out. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, that's where the saga began. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm chilling with this OG named Jay Peso, who's like a grown, grown man. He's like late 30s probably. And I had met him because I would visit my sister in North Hollywood during high school. And, but he basically saw a little spark in me or something, bro. I don't know what it was, but uh, he basically took me under his wing and would take me to studios on the weekends around LA. And he would be in the lab with this dude, P Killer Tracks, who produced uh, one of DMX's first albums. And oh, it's the album where he's all covered in blood. That's the best one. So, yeah, <laughs> it's PK producing that joint and Peso's on some of the skits and writing. Uh, with X oh, wow. and uh, so basically yeah I don't know God did something crazy that day when he let me meet Peso because you know again I was kind of in this like weird state of life having grown up in this San Rancho San Bernardino area just going to this new high school so it was like during the week I would kick it with Mike Pro my homie Keith and Anthony but on the weekends I would try to link peso and go crash in my sister's house and like if he was going to a studio i just wanted to fucking sit in that room bro <laughs> and little did i know i was shaking hands and rolling joints with like yuck mouth from lunas or like a uh, young chop was at the boards like chief keeps producer oh, wow. producing for this cat kevo or um just like i didn't realize the greatness sometimes 
which also was a good thing, I, I think, because I might have been like a little starstruck. So it was better that, you know, I didn't fully understand everything that was happening around. And even, it, you know, I had my big bro Peso to kind of guide me in those spaces too. And uh, yeah, I just soaked up the game, man. So it was kind of, so then I'm going kicking it with Mike Pro, like telling them about these studios and, it was just this cool swirl of energy happening, man, during those time periods. But Rocky G came into play when I moved up to the Bay. I got expelled from high school, bro, for fucking, add some weed in my car. And oh, I don't know how, uh, where you're staying, but they, they'll bring like drug dogs through high school sometimes. And yeah. they'll just kind of walk through the class or whatever, walk through the parking lot. I guess they tipped off my car. So that was actually uh that was a night where uh i had seen wiz khalifa and juicy j in oh, concert shit. i didn't i didn't meet them or anything i i went with my homie keith from laf we must have smoked in the car whatever whatever and you know the next day the, the dogs happened to be there so that led me to getting expelled at 17 but i had good grades so they were like what do we do with this kid Meanwhile, my dad's just like, bro, move stealth because you could still go get your your native scholarship. You still got the grades, bro. They don't care, bro. Like, come on, just finish, finish up. So I ended up going to do home studies, finished hella faster than I would have originally. Then I get this scholarship to go to school up in the Bay. Like, I think at that point, my father's like, bro, just go, bro. Like I, he, he was not tripping off the weed. Like he knew the, the mindset I had and the young man I was becoming. So you were a junior when you got expelled? At that time I was a senior, like a few months in as a senior. So then got it. I must've graduated like, shoot, a, a few months before summer, like in the springtime. So as I'm seeing all my friends, graduate from high school i was moving up to the bay and getting settled to start a summer semester in college so in my head i'm like y'all about to chill out this summer i'm already you know what i mean like i'm ahead you know and like school school is cool to me bro like it's not bad like you know there's some downfalls in it and what they lack but at the end of the day, like, I ain't mad at it. Like, I always used to be able to maintain that shit pretty decently. You know, maybe some fucked up grades here and there, but, like, I always knew how to coast. Like, I wasn't the, the best student or the worst student. Like, I was there, and I did my shit so I could do other shit. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, um, yeah, man. So I was excited. I was excited to get up to the Bay. And meanwhile... I already knew music production shit from being in these studios throughout high school with my big bro Peso. So I'm coming through these music production classes like swinging. So so I actually, that's when school, I became like one of the top tier in the class versus like normal school when I was a kid, I was always just like the average kid. So now I'm in music production school with my niche and it's just like, oh shit, it's a whole new world because Either I already know what you're telling me or you're just adding to my arsenal, you know, as far as the features there. And uh, meanwhile, I'm just, you know, I meet some cool kids in the dorms. Um, 
but it's even those the people that like I'm mob with a lot of the people I, I met up in the Bay today and and that was Rocky G whose apartment was two buildings over from my dorm unit in Frisco mm. and it was kind of a weird college because it wasn't like one campus like there's stuff scattered all over the city so I was just mobbing through Frisco slapping up Nug Life stickers everywhere and uh you know yeah selling a little weed here and there just to keep keep some extra money in my pockets and it was easy like they know me as Nug Life this kid who's making music under Nug Life and stuff so um I ended up selling weed to Rocky G. <laughs> oh, one shit. of my fucking doormates is like, yeah, man, like I took this dime sack to this dude a few times. Like he want to meet you. Like he, I told him he make beats. So I go smoke with them on a bu- at a bus stop, like around the corner. And that was our shit, man. All the kids from the dorms and stuff would go smoke at the bus stop. So we don't get in trouble with the school or whatever. And, uh, one of the one of the questions we had asked we had talked about i said who's your favorite like who's your favorite right now and he said absol joey badass and danny brown and i was like are you a crazy motherfucker then and because at the time i really liked those people a lot you know dude danny brown invited me to his concert no way when i think it was October of last year. That was dope as fuck. That's crazy. How do you how do you ask you? I was um I reached out to them for an interview and he was having like vocal problems at the time. So they're like, fuck, we can't do an interview. But we'd love to invite you to the concert. <laughs> you know? And then like so I stayed in touch with his like manager and everything like that. So just everyone's been crazy. Like it seems at first it kind of seemed like anyone and everyone could do an interview during the pandemic, yeah. but really these things are starting to pick up so it's harder to reach certain people now but like it's definitely it's actually really important to stay in contact with like managers and shit like that definitely man you know but that was a dope concert his opener was weird as fuck though he chose um do you know who ash nico is i'm not hip i'm not (laughs) she's basically like she's semi-emo tiktok type artist girl i thought it was a weird choice for him but um yeah yeah, and I forget who. And then I think, do you know who Z Loopers is? I'm not hip. I'm not hip. I think he has like one or two songs with Z Loopers, and I think Z it was Ashniko, Z Loopers, and then Danny Brown. It was a dope concert, though. That's fire, bro. Yeah, man. Keeping those links is essential. You never know, man. Like what, whatever moves you're gonna make next, and when those, when that timing meets, I, gotta be ready. Yeah. He actually followed Rocky G on Twitter like in the past month or two, which we're scratching our head. Like we're like, what the fuck, bro? Like he didn't, you know, it was just kind of (laughs) random. Damn. So how did, how did you come to meet Noah James? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Noah James. That's, uh, so that was like, so we got Mike pro stage one saga, Rocky G Bay area stage two saga. And here comes Noah James when I moved back to LA. It's part three, you know, which I'm kind of like, Hell yeah. you know, uh, it's funny to label it that way. <laughs> but like it's, <laughs> I was trying to say it chronologically because I came back to LA after the Bay, kind of a sporadic move. I, I don't know what made me do it other than I had finished school 
and I didn't want to feel stagnant in one place. And like, I knew my family's in LA too. So let me try and get back out here, connect back with my pro after being gone for so long. Um, you know, see Peso as well. Um, but still the first year in LA was kind of like trying to figure it out. Like, what am I going to do? Who am I going to link? Like my resource pipeline was not as uh, elaborate as the Bay Area. I mean, I, I had left during high school, so, you know, I didn't really, I didn't know the sticks, but I did have a few sources. So um, probably like two years in the LA, two and a half years, I started just picking up some business classes just because I'm like, fuck it, I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to utilize this scholarship again. And I'm going to just, I'm going to take some entertainment business classes in LA film school. And through that, I started learning like artist management and like just uh rollout planning and like how to run independent album campaigns versus like more corporate uh, industry style ones. And through that process, I'm also like, bringing Rocky G down to the Bay or like trying to get Tone Oliver out here and certain Bay Area cats are like intertwined. Just like mix it up a little bit with LA and the Bay uh, if I could. And uh, Tone Oliver and my homie Hella Positive started coming down to LA because what I was trying to do was I was trying to like apply my business courses to real life scenarios. Cause it's like a lot of it in there was like imaginary to people, but I'm looking at it. Like you're giving me an event planning class. Why not apply my fucking class project to a real event that I'm going to do? Cause again, like I know these ropes to the underground game, but like you're only giving me more tips and shit or catching me where I slip. So mm -hmm. um, I also started applying like artist management things with tone Oliver and uh through that campaign is where I really got to meet Noah James because we started running shows with Tone in LA and Noah's hearing, hearing a Tone again and hearing my name. Cause even though I met Tone up in the Bay, he was actually from LA. And so is Jetpack Jones, like, but we all linked up in the Bay. We're just like, oh, we're all just some LA cats. You know what I mean? Up here. So then Noah reaches out one day to book Tone and I for a show in San Diego. And that's kind of where that bridge was first built. And I had heard of Noah's name a lot. And uh, even at the film school, like I remember some kid who did hip hop, he was like, yeah, like that was one of his notable shows was like doing a Noah James show. And uh, yeah, so Noah started started booking us a few times. And uh, wow. through that, that shit was tight. Like, all right, is this an OG? So you know, wisdom, just like the mind. And uh, he had, uh, after like he booked us like two two times and maybe booked me and I was meeting Zay at that time. And he must have, you know, I remember doing a show with Zay through his platform. And uh, I seen he was doing a show in LA one day, probably like six months in after meeting him face to face. And I was like, what's up? Like, you got time pull up to the studio before the show you know let's kick it i might come to the show after and join you and that's where we recorded one of our first songs and uh from wow. yeah that was that was that trip that was 
that was like the leap of faith type of stuff where you just got to go for it. And we set up basically after that, we were like, let's just start Lincoln every Wednesday because he was always in LA on Wednesdays. So it's like, it was just a rotation of like, all right, we have a song, maybe you'd finish the hook or uh, maybe you did a hook in a verse in the second verse, like then he'd come back next Wednesday and I'd send him a new beat or he'd pick out a new beat and like, it was just a sick rotation and a cycle for greatness. And that's where our, our collab project came. Damn, that's dope as fuck. So during the, all this time period, do you have like any stories of like shitty jobs you had to do or were you working like in school full time or? Man, mostly, mostly full time school, bro. I mean, if anything, that was kind of just working for free, bro, or working like shitty gigs or kind of more boring DJ gigs that aren't really for Nug Life. It's just kind of like some more generic shit that I'm doing. Um, It's just kind of like doing some of the recording work, too, that I'm not going to necessarily show off on my ig or have my name stamped on but just really doing some some of that grunt work to keep some funds coming in and uh yeah that that's more of the shitty end of the stick it's like when you when you're trying to become this uh freelance artist you know you you gotta understand or people not you specifically but like people sometimes get they get rubbed off the wrong way when they realize like it can't all be about me and my core work all the time. Like it, you're going to have to like do some shit you don't necessarily want to do. Like I, like I might do a session, a five hour session for a hundred bucks, 20 bucks an hour recording somebody's mixtape real quick. But it's like, I'm sitting there thinking about how much I want to get home and work on my own shit. <laughs> right. So that right. I'd say that was more of the, the the grunt work that I had and it, and it still happens today time to time like I'm not by no means am I rich man it's just like it's just this it's a balance it's, yeah it's the grind yeah <laughs> so how many friends or artists have you produced like their full albums albums for because I know you you made one for Rocky G and I think you have one with Noah James where you just are the producer right 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 yeah um pretty much i got a i got a lot with rocky i got like three projects with him i got the one joint with noah really yeah i mean that's those are the main projects that are out right now that i could think of um on self-provokes last projects i did five tracks on that joint which was pretty dope. Um, a lot of collab songs like that to where I come off with that Alchemist uh, or Mad Lib approach, if you will, oh, yeah. Apollo Brown, you know, like you'll notice that most producers don't present themselves as like an artist, like they kind of stay on like the album credits versus like, I'm like trying to bust that Dilla, Apollo, um, like Flying Lotus, like you will see like, it will say the artist and the producer on the... Or like Metro Boomin kind of. like That's like the most mainstream you can get almost, I feel like. Very much so. So like taking that approach uh, a lot of the time, you know, 
but I have ended up on other joints where it's like, okay, like it's their joint and I just end up on the producer credits, which is, is cool too. Um, re more recently, like I've had some uh, collabs with Aura to Profit um, from, I think it's from Cincinnati, Ohio. And he, he brought on board Dizzy Wright on two songs. And oh. then uh, this last one, Crazy Bone from Bone Thugs and Harmony. So that was dope just working with him and he understood like the concept of like, oh, sh okay, let's run it. Aura and Nug Life, you know. Um, some Another one I got coming out in spring-ish, give or take, is with uh, Viva Mescal. He's from East LA and he's actually, how should I say, like, he's basically like the organizer in general of the group EOTR, which is the hip hop group where Zay it, it originates from. And that's kind of like how I met her and Don't Sleep and Mad Max and Kiddo, um, all of EOTR, real dope cats. But um, so, so after working with Zay and kind of like, I'm sure Viva got more familiar with me and watching me grow over the years. So he reached out. So we've been cooking up something uh, yeah, just a beautiful collab project. So it'll be a Viva Mescal and Nug Life project. That's dope as fuck. How'd you come up with your Nug Life tag? Like the Nug Life. <laughs> Man. Um, so it's from, hmm, how should I answer this without fully giving it away? Honestly, man, it was just something catchy because it's like, I, I had some other ones. I, I think I had one that said like nugs on the beat that I made during recording <laughs> school. And then I pitched it up really high. So it was like chipmunk alien sounding. And I had that for a while. And then, then I had to get that nug life one next like that. Nug life. Like originally, there we go. <laughs> originally I couldn't hit it that high, bro. So I did it like lower, probably like nug life. And then I pitched it up as well, like the like the, the original joint. And um, it just stuck, man. You know, along the way, I've had a few people kind of like, I don't know, like kind of like be like, what is that? Or like, <laughs> like it's in the way. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, but that's like one out of like 20 or 30 for the most part. Like if you're a fan of me, you see it you see it around me and at the shows and like people chanting it or like, that's like one of the first people, uh, Ooh, I'm getting lit. One of the first things people um, kind of say to me when they see me or whatever, they kind of, that's funny as fuck. They see the tag. Yeah. It's like the bat call. <laughs> that's awesome. I like that. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, it does originate from a movie. I don't want to expose it, but it's from a popular okay. stoner movie. And the ones who know, they know, man. And it's just, it's from a very classic scene. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll leave that for people to kind of research or maybe drop in the comments of your YouTube video one day. <laughs> Hell yeah, there we go. So how did you come, you started out with Ock the Savior, but how the fuck did you get end up getting all of Underachievers as well? Like, that's insane. Man, through, through him. Yeah, through through AK, man, because, like, honestly, bro, I've been a fan of them since I was young. And that starts with Joey Badass. And then okay, also going back to, like, that's why I fucked with Rocky G. He dropped Joey, Absol, and Danny. But 
So bumping Joey, of course, I fell into like Flatbush, Underachievers over the years, and the whole Pro Era crew. What about Clockwork Indigo? Fire, fire, bro! Hell yeah, Beautiful. hidden gem. Hidden gem is fuck. We went to that tour when they stopped by Oakland. Me, oh, Rocky, was Rocky G there? He was. Rocky G, my homie Malik, a dope skater for Thrasher Boys and like P-Rod's company, um, and another homie from college. Just like, yeah, so we saw that shit, bro. And so basically they formed the sets like it was like Underachievers opened, Flatbush did their set. And they're like, don't leave, don't leave. And they all come out dressed up differently and they do clockwork indigo. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? And and, and I just remember I had an epiphany that night, bro, to where it was like, I'm in college. I'm probably like halfway through a little more. And that was like the next layer of just like my, me reminding myself, like, all right, this school shit's cool, bro, but like, it's gonna take a different type of just learning and energy and 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 just mindset to really do what the fuck I just saw in front of my eyes, and just getting in the game of music and heavier, and and I still, you know, I had been in those studios prior to college, and and I remember certain heads in the studios as I was in high school would be like, you know. Go to go to school, Steve-O, it'll be good. You'll you'll get some few you'll get some stripes and then you'll come back and get to work with us, you know? And uh so that I don't know, but but I just remember getting that itch itch that night when I saw that show where I was just like, man, like fuck school, like I'm ready. <laughs> That's how hyped that that set got me and just being there with all my friends and uh but but yeah, come come to present time. Um, like 2019 is where I actually released with AK for the first time and kind of reached out and, uh, yeah, I, I just remember I was really sick, bro. And I had like a mad cold and I'm just like still trying to work though. Cause like I was getting ready to drop the beat dispensary and I had some tracks and I started reaching out to artists, like big artists. And I'm still this little, I'm still a little guy to them, but it's like, I'm even smaller than what I am now. And I just emailed like 50 cats, bro, like, or DM them or whatever I could do, like management emails. And you know, two or three will respond. And that happened. Yes. AK the savior, self-provoked. Um, a few other cats that I didn't, you know it didn't go forward for whatever reasons but yeah that that's what happened with that joint and I had I had linked them I had my LA studio by USC and you know just just uh did we got to work I had that check the status song with Rocky G he already had the hook on there so I was trying to present music where it was like there was already like ideas laid out. They just had to like fill the gap or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, that's where that joint came. And then the bout that joint with, with Mike Pro and Self Provoked, that's kind of like the same way that came to be with that same 
email or message thread that I kind of did. I'm on the couch all sick, but I'm like, nah, I'm working. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was a trip because, you know, working with artists at, the, at that scale and me being smaller, but still trying to show them that I got something to give. Yeah. And, know your worth. Yeah. And, you know, they, th these cats do features for people all day and charge them up the yin yang and then never see them again. And it's like, it's kind of like, I'm sure it tripped them out that I reached out as a producer. It's like, mm. what the fuck is going on? Like what? Like, it be all types of artists reaching out to us on on some business shit. So, you know, um, I set up a I, I'm I set up a trap, bro. <laughs> a beautiful wow. trap where it's like whether somebody were to charge me for a feature, whether they were gonna do it for the love, like I try to reciprocate for the long term and be like, all right, we worked on something for my shit that I'm gonna release like you guys want some beats you want to listen to some shit like no matter where where it takes it like how whatever they want kind of like just reciprocate that that stuff and so that's where um i think just furthering the relationship comes and uh so so um down the line though yeah i was able to, to link the whole underachiever situation through ak having met him first and then he wow. uh linked me with isa on the other joint long flights and then i reached back out to ak for digital dope and originally he was just on it and i'm just like you know like hey what why not like why not take it to this next step if i already got you and isa on the project and to to just get an underachiever song uh wow. and it's like whole time i'm a fucking i'm a fanboy bro <laughs> yes. but i'm also I'm also, you know, a business music mind. So I know just where to draw my lines and all that. Yeah. That's dope as fuck, though. Do you know who Azizi Gibson is? Mm -hmm. I've had him on the podcast. That was dope. It's, it's crazy because you're talking about Flying Lotus. You know, he's associated with Flying Lotus mm -hmm. and recently more with um, AK as well. They have like... They have like four or five songs together now and they're all insane. Facts. Yeah, bro. They I think Brain Feeder released one of their first mixtapes uh back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Indigoism. So it's like Yeah, that's always been the world I enjoyed through music, like psychedelic rap, bro, or like just really wavy shit, you know. And uh anybody who's like on my project, it's either like, I truly believe in them or I truly like love their style uh, or something aesthetically about them. Like, it's not like I'm just putting anybody on these producer compilations. So it's like, of course with AK, it's like, all right, I look up to these cats, even Noah to an extent and like Rocky, even everybody like, it's like, I don't know where their careers are going to go. So it's like, I just want to try to bring out the best, but like certain cats, they have a, such a sick catalog out right now to where it's like, I got to take in that dopeness and be like, all right, how can I do, do some type of twist or what you know, lock mm -hmm. in and lock in a nice frequency. So do you think it's easier to connect with artists when you're going as a producer or when you're portraying yourself as an artist? 
I think as a producer, I think I've had like the, uh, I think it's just like the scarcity rule, man. Like, what do you got more of out here? Everybody's rapping, everybody's doing something vocal. So for, I don't know what the real ratios are, but it seems like every, for every whatever five artists, there might be one producer engineer or artist that knows how to do that. So it's like, you need more of us then <laughs> it seems. Wow. Uh, and it's also like, that's the broader way to look at it, but it's like, it's, we have something that pretty much every artist they needs. Need, yeah. Yeah. Whether it's like they don't need a guest feature from an up and coming artist. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you got beats and they nice. Oh, oh, you can record because I don't know how to record myself. Or, you know what I mean? Oh, you got the nice Stewie where we can bang loud. Like we only got the home studios. So it's just like, and then like if you have all that <laughs> and you're a dope like coach in the room, if you will, like you're an honest cat or you got a good ear, like you're just a fucking unicorn. <laughs> Wow. So that's wow. what I try to be, man. Like looking at like Rick Rubin, like they know him. Like he don't touch any tech. Like he's sitting back, like looking like a guru in the room. You know what I mean? Like the beard. And everything. Yeah. With his sandals or if not barefoot, like chilling, bro. Like uh, <laughs> then you look at Alchemist, you know what I mean? Just like a machine the past few years, if not his whole career. And then the elusive Mad Lib, like, it's just like trying to embrace that because you know that they're not just sending cats beats and leaving it at that. Like, mm -hmm. um, to an extent, maybe with certain people, but with their, of course, with their collab stuff, like you're just in the room, like really just doing something different with the artist and, and wow. it's, it's a different type of trust that's going on and uh no ego of like trying different things and all it's yeah just it's something that i have to work on too every day and figure out how to become better at that just being that steer the ship of the studio the right way mm -hmm. and that's where the money's going to come and and that's that's priceless bro at the end of the day <laughs> yeah man yeah you've had some dope ass features and like i've definitely I took a chance to listen to your entire catalog and like the progression is just insane with the beats, features, like you could definitely see the mature maturity in the in your music. It's 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 exciting. There's definitely milestones with every project. Even though a few have been released in the same year even. Like you had a string of releases in twenty nineteen, right? Yeah, man. That was uh that was when I had graduated my business school, so I felt like I was ready. I felt like I was working with Tone throughout school. I had met Noah. We already had most of our project like ready. I had the beat dispensary files, really not intentionally trying to drop it. I just knew I had like files from the past two years. So mm -hmm. I think it was just time to pull the trigger that year. It was just like, and, and so knowing that I was dropping with Noah, I felt like we could do like a companion project type of thing where the beat dispensary and the and his project dropped around the same time frame and the energy was just so crazy to where 
I, I did the summer of nugs right after all that. Cause it was just like, all right, I have some other songs I'm making some new songs. Like it just felt right. It was just a nice, nice time frame. And then meanwhile, I had made built that bridge with self provoked. So his dropped like right around the same time as summer and nugs in the summer. So it just felt like everything was just like bouncing off each other, you know? Wow. Yeah, it was it was a crazy That's crazy. It's the so, effect. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's I'm telling you, you can definitely see the progression too. It's exciting. Yeah, man. It's beautiful. It's a trip, man. So with the love dispensary, did you think it was gonna be that big of a hit for you? I didn't think I didn't think so as far as like looking at the comparisons if you will of like numbers and shit definitely sonically in the frequency i was like this is some shit right here like this beat is crazy like and and to where i was like how do i make something better than this <laughs> the producer mm. like how do i tap into this more like how do i you know, because a lot of time, like, you know, we in the lab, we're really mixing it up. We're just like dropping certain shit like a real scientist. So it's like, what did I do here, though? Like, what's the real formula right here? And uh, that shit was just a priceless, priceless sample. And I, it kind of had like an A and B formula to it to where like the intro has it's like those singing vocals was A, but then it just drops into some other shit. And, and it was just, I knew there, like, internally, it was one of the dopest songs on the project. But I didn't know it was going to do that or catch that. The algorithm on Spotify and SoundCloud and iTunes, like, everywhere, basically, it just shows that it, it's, it's one of the gems, for sure. Wow. What made you release uh, A Love Dispensary Part 2? Oh, uh, man carrying on the saga, you know, just uh, passing the torch on. I had made that be up in the Bay and uh, I was doing some work with Rocky G and uh, it just sounded right. Like the sample was saying love in it a lot and it just had like this real soulful, soulful feel and it kept saying like different love or positivity in the, in the actual sample chops. And I had recorded the the hook up there and um, came home and kind of sat on it, did the verse. I got my niece to do the little Nug Life tag on the outro this time, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, you know, it was definitely me stepping out of the producer chair a little more, which I do on rare occasions. Um, but yeah, yeah, just just following that. And um, I had the same artist who did the Beat Dispensary artwork. He did the cover for the single and, uh, you know, um, yeah, man, it was just, it just felt like it was the one. It's, you know, it's different. Of course, like, it's like, oh shit, Nuglat's on this joint now. And like, mm -hmm. so it's it was a changing of gears. Um, definitely, I don't want people to think that the next project's only going to be Nug Life either. Like you, 
expect uh, the same faces around and maybe on a different uh, whatever the other songs may be to come that are on the hard drive. And uh, yeah, just, just carrying on that because um, like I did All I Want to Do from Nug Life 2020. That's like a Nug Life song or like there's even one I did with Self Provoke that I'm like proud of because I'm like, fuck, I look up to Self like since I was a kid. <laughs> so I laid a hook and he trusted me or thought it was cool enough to lay a verse. You know, that was really those are some proud moments. Um, also, just embracing like I've recorded all these people like you know, past conversation through the creative process. So like I learn a lot. So I'm just showcasing that also. So it's just building that trust a little more too, to where if I drop something in the studio, like if we're going back and forth on ideas, I feel like people will trust me too. Cause there's an example of that kind of like how you would see uh Jay Dilla spit some bars or evidence yeah. alchemist here and there uh, kind of stepping into that realm. Uh, a little bit but um um i was gonna say something else but it left my mind <laughs> yeah no worries does it like bounce off each other do you think like do you learn when you step into like the artist cap do you learn things from that to bring back to producing and likewise vice versa yeah man definitely i think uh I, of course, I'm learning more how to be an artist than a producer because the, the ratios are are there. I've gotten closer to my 10,000 hours being a producer. Um, it's definitely kind of like, it's kind of intense too because like I'm recording myself and then trying to mix myself and do certain shit. So it's kind of like, you kind of get drowned out like, because you, you know, what you hear in your head is not actually how you sound sometimes or whatever it may be. Mm. So it's a, it's a cool challenge. It's in, in finding those pockets. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's baby steps. I, you know, I pass my, my recordings around to my friends too and see what they think and, you know, just make sure, uh, I listen to it a lot of places and, and, uh, but yeah, overall, it's just, um, it, it feels good to do that. You know, I, I played guitar as a kid as well before I made beats and like, it just kind of brings back that too, of just like being musical in a lot of aspects in different ways. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's important. I think like sometimes you get stuck in what, if you stick just to one thing, you kind of get tunnel vision also makes you more creative to step into different hats i feel like definitely yeah so how'd you actually meet planet asia that was a dope collab you had too feature i guess yes bro um that was so basically that was the same formula as before with the beat 2019 (laughs) to where i had nug life 2020 i had a batch of songs and i had this track with vel you know and me and Vel have a nice little like collection of tracks that are kind of on the hard drive right now. But um, when that happens, you know, sometimes I'll ask artists like, yo, could I use this track for my project? Um, so she gave me the blessing and uh, I'm sitting in the studio and I kind of just, I did that hook and I, I basically like 
I recorded the hook in the mic and then I scratched it on the turntable and that kind of like solidified, like I have to get Planet Asia because like his name's in the hook, you know? And basically I said like, fell the wonder Planet Asia on deck. So I recorded it. Then I actually, you know, I put it in the turntables. So it's kind of like, I can't not, but, and he'll probably think it's really cool to hear that. Like it's really signature to him. Um, so yeah, you know, I reached out, I did my other batch for Nug Life 2020, kind of reaching out to big artists. This time I even did all types of artists, like big artists, little artists, like all types of people I want to work, work with from the underground to, you know, the top, top tier. But of course that one was just direct to planet. And uh, yeah, we linked up at, at the stew. He, he pulled up, you know, he had already knew Vel too. I think like she had opened for him at some point back in the day. So that kind of like helped him, I think like, I don't know, be familiar because he's hearing, you know, homegirl who he's already. Or get vetted basically. Yeah. And uh, so that just took course, man. He was, he was a real cool dude. One of the most vibrant energies uh, out of the Nug Life, like uh, 2020 catalog who, who pulled up on me, like out of the OGs, like he really was. Wow cool guy cool guy bro like type of guy where you know he's just spitting game and spreading knowledge or showing some cool new music like oh what you fuck with me bro an alchemist but you haven't heard of this guy this, you know whoop de whoop so i was just sitting back you know just soaking up some game and uh i'm sure he, That's he saw like the the drive and i'm just playing them different songs of the project and trying to you know familiarize with them that's awesome. So what are three artists that you really want to work with? Like who are your dream artists? Whew. Wow. That's a good one. Um, off tops. I really want to build with Larry June at some point. Ooh. I really enjoy what he's doing. It's like, he's fly, but he's G, you know what I mean? Like it's, and the sound, it sounds right. Like it's not, he picks nice beats. And uh, so Larry June's on my list for sure. Um, I think it's really hard to lay, to, to leave it to three cause I love so much, but off the top, Larry June, probably evidence, maybe throwing uh, currency, maybe. I don't know. It's kind of hard to, to dwindle it down, but. In this moment, that's who I'll say. Oh, yeah. There we go, man. It's a time capsule now. Yeah. I get to <laughs> reflect on it sometime. For sure. So what are your goals with 2021? Shoot. Keep pushing, man. Keep dropping some nice nice work. Get some more collab projects out with artists. Um, hit them with another one. Uh, some, some type of Nug Life joint. Um, the Beat Dispensary 2 will be coming soon at some point this year. And, uh, yeah, just keep hitting them with it, man. You know, um, I, I really want to get moving on something tight with the veil because we have some stuff in the drive. And uh, she actually just moved to my neighborhood. So it's like, oh, I'm like, oh, shit, we got to drop this year, sis. Like, what's up? <laughs> like. 
So I really want to manifest that to happen at some point in 2021. And uh, whatever else comes with it, man, you know, some more joints with Rocky G, Noah, um, whoever else it may be, and just grow grow as, I, as much as I can as a person, you know? Hell yeah. So, Nug Life, what is some advice that you have for up-and-coming artists, creators, influencers? Man, the world is your motherfucking utopia. As much of a roller coaster ride as it is, this place is yours to it is what you make of it through the bullshit and the lemons and the good and the blessings and the fucking being ready at the right time. And yeah, I'm not gonna go on a rant, but that's what I want all the, the people to know, especially everybody, bro, everybody. I won't limit it to anybody. Hell yeah. And what is the easiest way for people to reach you? Uh, nuglife.com, uh, Instagram and Nuglife Productions. Um, Nuglife everywhere, wherever you can find me. Feel free to, to tap in. There we go. This is the NAS Podcast with Nuglife.